The middle-aged candy store. The middle-aged candy store. Have a good time. Try lemon and lime at the middle-aged candy store. The candy is sweet, it's true. Though it may seem bitter to you. Wave back at the years, the trials and the tears, the cigarettes and beers, the faces you love, the things, the things you're sorry for. Come in for a spell, there's caramel at the middle-aged candy store. Yes, time to fuck things up. No, no it is not. This is a candy store and we are here to sell candy. Fucked up candy. Yeah, sometimes. We need to go talk to them, those people who just came in. You do it. Fine. Follow me. We work together. everybody. I'm Crystal Ball. And I'm Monkey Paw. I see into the future. And I fuck it all up. Welcome, Welcome to, to the Middle, middle Age, age candy, candy Store. Best candy found in the Middle Ages. It'll fuck you up. Language. Monkey, we're employees, not sole proprietors. She's a bit obsessed with her persona. I'm just saying there's some good candy. There is some amazing candy. Candy that will fuck. Candy that will make you understand the futility of life. Candy that will take you and make you desire another. I know because I see into the future. I'm going to recommend some candy. And if there are any wishes that you would like to make... Not so fast, Monkey Paw. These customers aren't the same as the last ones. They can see through your charade. Crystal Ball, don't ruin it. I'm not ruining anything. We have one job here. That is to sell these people some candy. I will not let you bring shame to this store. Fine. Just the candy then. No wishes. Unless you think of one. Then you can meet me out back. So this candy here is a nice one. It's a nice spicy candy. They look like they can handle the spice, don't they, Crystal Ball? They certainly do. And if I look into the future, there is no injury set to befall you if you try this candy. It is a good candy to try. You're going to try it? Wow, that did not take as long as usual. Well, that's great then. I guess, uh, Monkey Paw, why don't you give them the candy? Sure, here you go. And don't forget the signal and I'll meet you out back. Hello out there, radio fans. The date is August 7th, 1952. Travel with us now to those thrilling days of yesteryear and the famous radio advice program hosted by none other than King Thursday. Hello out there, radio fans. And welcome to a radio show hosted by me, Kingston Thursday. Call B. King. 
Now, in the spirit of scientific inquiry and open-minded progress, the management of this radio station has asked me to host a new program. Now, the topic may be controversial, but let's not allow our closed-minded prejudices and superstitions of the past to prevent us from pursuing this topic for the betterment of mankind. Taxpayers, let us be bold. Let us be forthright. Modern men of 1952, let us discuss our problems openly and not be embarrassed. The topic is... Uh, marital relations. Welcome to Ask Dr. Zex. <laughs> with mail after last week's inaugural program. Unfortunately, all but four letters demanded that the program be removed. Well, kudos to those four listeners who were brave enough to write in with their uh, sexual problems. <sighs> okay, here it is. Uh, letter number one. Dear Dr. Sex, I'm a normal white male in good health. I'm a farmer, an old-fashioned man, I must admit, but my four wives are more than adequate. They obey the Ten Commandments, and they never back away from administering godly beatings to any of our sixty children. Dr. Six, the problem is that the Sex Act, as mandated by the Holy Father, doesn't make my rooster crow anymore. P.S. I'm not speaking metaphorically. The rooster used to actually crow, and he doesn't do that anymore. I think it's because my wives and I are bored with sex. Signed, W.P. Maynooth, Ontario. Well, W.P., I am not altogether that religious a man, but I can see your dilemma. My advice is that you put a blindfold on your strongest wife, then get her to churn the butter. Chur churn the butter. To churn the butter. If, if you don't spill any seed, it is not a sin. <sighs> and now, for letter number two. Herr Doctor Sex, wife beat rugs. Wife no beat Gunther. Gunther sad. Signed, Gunther. Gunther, you need to be able to communicate your husbandly desires without shame or fear. It's, it's time for you to sit down and have an open and honest communication, a free-flowing discussion with your wife's father. He will then say a series of prayers, then God will guide him to make some gruff comments to his wife, which she will hopefully pick up on, then your mother-in-law will find a way to shame your wife into doing what you want. Open, direct communication solves the problem every time. Letter number three. 
Dear Dr. Sex, congratulations to you for your courage and your honesty. Too many of our men are carnation-sniffing, mustache-waxing little quizlings who are terrified at the prospect of the marital bed. Sadly, one of them is my husband. He's so busy discussing French poetry and designing atomic steam engines with his friends that he never has the time to satisfy my needs. How can I convince him that sex is normal and a necessary part of marriage? Signed, CX, in Foxborough, Ontario. Oh, CX, I sympathize with your plight and would love to give you advice on your problem. However, by writing to me about your marital bed, uh, you have stepped outside your role as a godly wife. Taking initiative like this will only increase your husband's disgust at your freakishly active enjoyment of marital relations. In case CX's husband is listening, Mr. CX... I hope you take to heart your duties as a husband. As distasteful as the thought may be, it's true that some women do enjoy sex and actually seek it out. Please make sure you engage in proper marital relations with your wife on a standard schedule, uh, one time per calendar month. Otherwise... Her desires will continue to grow to an unnatural pitch, and she will grow hair on her ears and begin to practice witchcraft. And finally, letter number four. Dear King Thursday, a.k.a. Dr. Sex, in quotes, I don't see why you should be giving an advice show before anyone else. Two weeks ago, you, you were hosting the Farm Report in this same time slot. What exactly are your qualifications? CM, Stocko, Ontario. Well, CM, I would state my qualifications, but they can't be given by me, no. (laughs) No, they can only be given by my wife, who has repeatedly dubbed herself the most satisfied woman in southern Ontario. Yeah. And my wife is at a conference this weekend, a very important conference, with the manager of this radio station. So I'll have her on soon, when she gets back. See you next week on Ask Dr. Sex. How was that one? Liked it, didn't you? I knew you would. I knew all along. Yeah, people like candy. I knew because I see into the future. You know, there's more. Because I'm a talented seer. I think they get it. You get it, right? They get it. Now, if there's anything that you wish you could get, riches, romance, the status of royalty... 
Nobody is going to be granted the status of royalty and not expect something to be up with it. I can deliver. It's only the impure motivations that get the twist. As long as you are cool, the wish will be cool. As far as I can see. How about we offer another piece of candy instead? Here, I'll give it to you. Accepting things from me might be safer for you in the end. This one is as good as the last. I know, because I can see into the future. Because... Because he's a seer. Enjoy! I'll be out back. It is said that it is never good to generalize about people. You need to evaluate them individually on their own merits and not judge, especially not on the basis of group characteristics. That is the lie that allows malevolent groups of people to vector their way through society, wreaking damage against the good. Do you see? I'm talking about the hippies. So Hippie Johnny and Hippie Sally were hippies, yes, but typical hippies. Back in the day, they traveled with a group, say it was 1960-something or 1970-something, and who cares, and it was peace, love, harmony, i.e. give me your food, your drugs, and your disease-free genitals immediately, please and thank you. As I say, the group was typically hippie for the time, and Hippie Johnny and Hippie Sally were similar to most of the others in that they came from relative affluence, their appetite for vacuous, sensational pleasure and attention being large, cosmic man. At the time of the story, they were driving up the north coast of California. Volkswagen van, old hearse, another beat-up car traveling behind them, a torn convertible cover flapping in the wind, sure, and then one day they drove by a billboard. Seaside homes, live free for the first six months. Free. Well, the group drove to a nearby town, pooled their brains and their money together to get Hippie Johnny and Hippie Sally a shave, haircut, hairdo, some decent-looking clothing, and a car wash for the best-looking used car in the caravan. So that Johnny and Sally looked like all the best young college graduates that the establishment imagined they could be. They went into the real estate office without the others and charmed the agents and visited the house. And it was lovely, right on the beach. And they signed the deed and they checked their credit and their college diplomas and soon they had the deed and the house was theirs. No payments for six months. Live free for the first six months. But hippies are bad. And so they were bad, very bad in the house. First they partied. They did drugs. They made fires on the beach. Then on the porch. And then in the house. And they fished from the ocean. They dried the fish in the house so it stank. And everything smelled bad. And then the bikers came and it got scarier. And more hippies came and more fires and more fish. A hedonistic distortion of paradise built on the conservative horn of plenty that was America. The drugs, the music, the fires, the fish. The parties continued and then it was six months. It was over. 
live free for the first six months. Hippie Johnny and Hippie Sally cleaned themselves up once more, although not as nicely as the first time, and they went into the seaside town to explain that they no longer wanted the house. They were invoking the six months free clause. The real estate people were disappointed but polite. They explained that there would have to be a visit the next day to assess whether the house still satisfied the conditional requirements of the agreement, i.e. saleable condition as per Section 7. Hippie Johnny and Hippie Sally, not aware of the clause, agreed to a scheduled time for said inspection and drove back out to the seaside home quickly to try and rally the sleeping and stoned young people, bikers, musicians, and fishermen. They had to clean up the house. It was hopeless, and when the real estate people visited the next day, the house still smelled of the rotting fish of the last six months. The ceiling still had the large black mark from the fire. The furniture was either broken into the fire pit or... The house looked better to Hippie Johnny and Hippie Sally, but not good enough for the real estate people. So Hippie Johnny and Hippie Sally apologized and explained that they understood the terms of the agreement and the mortgage payments could start coming out of their account at the end of the current month. It was amicable, and the real estate people left with a good feeling inside. That night was the largest hippie party in the history of hippie parties to that point. A thousand people, a thousand moths, all attracted to the flame, the flame of the beachside house as it burned down to ashes and embers. Johnny and Sally had fused their personalities in a ceremony later, with a sacramental drug called Zionata. And now let's tune in. Who am I? Am I him or am I her? I'm thinking and driving, and I'm seeing through his eyes, driving a Plymouth Duster that my parents gave me for graduating college, and I'm seeing through her eyes, sitting a thousand miles away by a campfire. Who am I? Thank you for listening to the Middle-Aged Candy Store produced by The Gathering. Podcasts appear every first and third Tuesdays of the month. Intro and interstitial written by Megan Liley, performed by Megan Liley and Linda Febbleston. Ask Dr. Sex, written by Donnie Febbleston and Christian Mueller-Heeslip, performed by Tony Culverwell, Christian Mueller-Heeslip, Karen Loomer, and Donnie Febbleston. Hippie Johnny, written and read by Donnie Febbleston. Theme music by Donnie Febbleston, performed by Donnie and Linda Febbleston. Come in for a spell, there's kids.